Happy Wednesday. Zingers out there. Welcome back to another episode of Pre-Market Prep. I'm producer AB, Aaron Bree. I'm going to be bringing on my man, Dennis Dick, in a minute. Look, we're trading down again. I mean, the market, I'm sure a lot of you guys out there made New, new Year's resolutions, said New Year, New Me. The market looks like it's saying New Year, New Market. Everything, uh, not everything, but a lot of things trading lower again today. Tech getting wrecked again this morning. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this rotation. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. And we have my man Ryan Dietrich coming on at 8.35 a.m. Eastern. Ryan's a great follow on Twitter coming from the Carson Group CMT. He's always sharing really good charts and data. Uh, and I, I mean, I love following Ryan for a while because when everyone in the world was bearish, Ryan was one guy saying, hey, look. History says the market's actually going to go up this year. Talking about last year. And he was right when a lot of people are wrong. So I'm excited to talk to Ryan at 835. Uh, good morning to everyone in the chat, Richard. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and get it started. When I come back, we'll bring on Dennis and uh, rip through some charts. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, going to be pulling up my charts here. Oh, look at this. Shout out AT. We got a fresh new background. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comments. Uh, as you can see here, S&P 500 trading off again. Uh, let me see what my man Dennis thinks about what's going on this morning. Yesterday, I was kind of kind of hoping, uh, Dennis, what do you see in this morning? I was hoping yesterday was maybe just going to be like a one-day sell-off and we'd bounce right back, but it looks like the market's saying, nah, not so fast. We're going yeah. to uh, make this at least a two-day move. Yeah, I think what we often talk about on this show is the two-day move, and this set up very well for a two-day move. What that is is when you get a violent move in a direction that has been counter-trend it often continues at least for the next morning why is that well there's a lot of people who have day jobs they're not watching the market you know continuously all day so they come in get home from their job at five o'clock and they're like what happened to the market what happened to my stocks and then they're going the next morning and they're placing all their orders or that night and saying look i'm getting out of this because i don't want all my gains to go away so what you have is that johnny come lately follow through seller that often comes the next morning. So the two-day move is often predictable when the move goes counter-trend, which is exactly what we had happen. S&P is closing very strong. I mean, we we sold off a little bit on Friday, but nothing violent. But the violent sell-off yesterday in a lot of stocks, like Apple being down $9, Nvidia being down you know, $20, there's that follow-through. So you know, as traders, we got to take advantage of these little things. So leaning a little bit to the short side overnight was the play. You're probably bringing those shorts in today. Now, what that means going forward here, I don't know. We have Fed minutes here today, uh, AB, which means so much because, you know, really, you know, what kick-started this rally, this violent rally at, you know, the middle of December was Powell's comments on a full pivot, you know, talking about lowering rates, you know, getting aggressive, being done, all the words that the market wanted to hear. 
can Powell come and rescue this market here today to the Fed minutes? Or do they add fuel to this fire and say, look, you know, inflation's still kicking up here over 3.5% and we want to get down to our target of 2%. What is in those minutes? It's going to matter here today, folks. So I think if you short the market, I'd be bringing them in before the minutes because I wouldn't want these, you know, gains to go away. I do think Longer term, this market, we're going to be okay. This is a predictable sell-off. We predicted this January effect. We predicted this on this show that we would see weakness in tech. We predicted rotation, you know, and that's what we have seen. Healthcare has been a huge beneficiary. So as much as we can say the market was weak yesterday, it was really tech. It was really high-risk stocks that were weak yesterday. A lot of stocks were very strong yesterday. XLV had a fantastic day yesterday. Look at the chart of this one here, AB. Bring this up. That's its biggest up move in a very long time, probably since the Powell move. So, I mean, that was a huge up move in, in, in healthcare there yesterday. IBB making a new 52-week high. Pfizer, dog of all dogs. That was on our laggard trade. January effect coming in, saving that one too. Bristol-Myers, which I also have, but... Other stocks like AbbVie, huge update for AbbVie. Amgen, you know, having a big day. Moderna having the day of all days. It got upgraded and then ran 15 points. And it's still so, trading I mean, up. It this wasn't morning. all just a bloodbath yesterday. It was just the leaders from 2023 becoming the laggards for 2024. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're you brought up the Fed minutes, and usually, Dennis, I would say the Fed minutes. You know, okay, they come out at two p.m. You know, later in the day. Usually, not that important because it's it's from last month's meeting. It's from December's meeting. We already know what they decided. But like you said, the expectation now has been for rate cuts. So now that the bar is set, like up here for Fed policy going forward, and, and that's what everyone, like you said, got a lot of the bullish activity going. If they give any hint that they're then reconsidering that or maybe they weren't you know as kind of set on the rate cuts as everyone assumed then the market could get hit by that so i think like today's fed minutes coming out at 2 p.m will be a little bit more important for the market and i'm going to be watching it a little bit closer uh more closely than i normally would um dennis going back to yesterday real quick I'm curious what your thoughts on are a couple moves here because if yeah. you just if you just looked at the top line, you know, okay, S and P cut closed down, uh, you know, a little bit more than half a percent. Like you said, tech got absolutely wrecked. The Qs closed down more than one and a half percent. But at one point yesterday, and we're looking at a, a five minute chart here, right here where my cursor is in the white is uh, yesterday's regular session. At one point, like midday yesterday, one p.m., I want to say almost virtually every sector was green from the open. Uh, and I was looking at that saying, okay, maybe, you know, you know, pre-market was just a little messy and now things are, are looking better. And then we sold off again. But then at the very end, you can see here on the spy chart, people were buying up again toward the close. I mean, do you yeah, see? Yeah, they did. So like both these moves higher from the open and then again into the close. Do you think those were bulls just kind of trying to fight the, you know, the bearish activity? Yeah, I think the buy the dip crowd is still lurking. I think there's still a lot of people sitting with a lot of cash. I think there's still a lot of people that are underweight equities. And I still think there's going to be some underneath demand here. What we really saw yesterday, though, to your point here, was a lot of sectors were actually up on the day. I mean, it wasn't this violent sell-it-all rally. It was the leaders lagging and the laggards leading what does that mean all the stocks that underperformed in 2023 had themselves a pretty good day in 2024 now there's always going to be an exception but for the most part you could definitely see a trend there and then you know the opposite happening 
that the stocks that really performed well in 2023 were getting hammered in 2024 so far. So again, pure January effect, like textbook, textbook so much that it almost felt like it was algorithmic, that they just came in and they programmed for this day and saying, yep, calendar turn. We sell all the tech stocks, we sell all the 2023 leaders, and we're going to go out and buy healthcare, we're going to buy utility stocks, we're going to buy defense, because that wasn't working in 2023, but that's what's going to work in 2024. It was very, I felt almost algorithmic. It was that clean. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, we we, you, we predicted this January effect on this show, and you we always said right it was going to come on the very first trading day of the year, right? <laughs> I said it would come in the first part of January. I did not think it would be that violent right off the hop. Like I didn't think Apple's losing ten bucks on the first day. I didn't think Nvidia's going down twenty on the first day. So I think it was predictable that we would see some rotation into these leaders, laggards, laggards, leaders trade, which we had been predicting every day on the show for the last two weeks ago. Listen back to the December shows. But I didn't think it would be this pronounced. I didn't think it would be this quick. I didn't think it would be honestly this easy, like this easy to have that, you know, like textbook January effect trade. But that is what has occurred. Now, does it continue? Or do we see, you know, a relief pop here? I mean, I think a little bit is to be determined by the Fed minutes here today. Um, keep an eye, obviously, on TLT. If we're going to, you know, trade off the Fed minutes, it's interest rates that broke us, you know, originally. And that's interest rates that started bringing us back here after October when the TLT bottomed, the Ackman bottom. So let's see the TLT's response to the Fed minutes here today because that is new information. And that may change our minds. As I said, again, you're a trader. As a trader, you are obligated to continue to flip, change your mind, see what's happening, read the information. Don't just sit back, wait for your technicals to you know align, but you want your ducks in a row. And I think as you get new information, you've got to adjust to that new information. And we will get new information at two o'clock. It may be that steady as she goes. You know, we were premature to talk about raising rates, you know, or to t talk about lowering rates or something like that in the Fed Mets. That would absolutely be a disaster. For, or they might say, yeah, we're still on course to start lowering rates and, and stop raising rates at this point in time. And then that's what the Fed would want or the market would want is reassurance that what Powell was saying two and a half weeks ago is what the rest of the Fed is thinking. 100%. Well, I, you know, let's go to Apple real quick, Dennis, just because this was one of the biggest headlines yesterday. Of course, anytime Apple makes a big move, it's the biggest weight in the S&P. It's going to move the market. Apple had its worst day in, I don't know, half a year yesterday, closing down more than three and a half percent. You know, for the past really like two decades, any real dip in Apple has just been a buying opportunity, Dennis. How do we, I mean, like, how 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 am I gonna know? Is this a, a buying opportunity? Apple's down now, you know, like uh, a few percentage points off its high, or I want to stay away from this. Charts looking ugly. Like, wh where would be my reading? Where would be my line in the sand if I wanted to take a stab at Apple here? This is why we usually have Joel Alconan, who will be back with us tomorrow because he's the level master here. But I'll just you know, you know, I, what I like to do is talk about fifty percent retracements. So what I would say is take this low move from the bottom of October when we got down to $165 and then look up to where Joel almost won his bet. He had the 200 against me, but it only got to 199.62. So we go up here 
165 to you were never you were never sweating that you were never worried about that no not at all (laughs) (laughs) i i I would have actually got out if he would have let me out but he wasn't gonna let me out one so we got what roughly a 35 point move let's knock that in half so if you take 17 points off of that move that'd bring you down to this like 182 183 area so i think the 50 percent retracement is in play here for today do we bounce at that 50 percent retracement say 180 to 182 i think we can so i think you're looking not long term here apple i still think the valuation is too high but in and again i always say you know what i've been saying for the last year is trade apple don't own it i'm taking the exact opposite of jim kramer uh, because I think the valuations are simply too high. And you know what was interesting yesterday? As much as Jim Cramer preaches, and I mean preaches, he preaches, don't trade Apple, just own it. Don't trade Apple, just own it. Which is just, if you're a trader, it's just dumb advice. But as much as he preaches that, do you know what he did yesterday, AB? Uh, I don't know. He they, said traded, they traded Apple. I don't know. He sold some Apple. So yeah, as he... much as he preaches, just own Apple, don't trade it. He sold some Apple in the hole yesterday. He he trimmed all seven. He just sold. He didn't sell it all, but he said he trimmed all of his magnificent seven holdings yesterday. So I mean, be, it'd be good if Jim Cramer listened to pre-market prep. He would have been selling two days ago because he's a charitable trust and he doesn't have to worry about taxes. So if he were to listen to us, we predicted that we would sell off in early January, but I guess he doesn't listen to us. So we think he's something that his producer does, but he doesn't apparently. So that would have helped him out. But back to the point is, you know, it's spooking some people i mean you know like jim kramer even is spooked a little bit by this sell-off here which we shouldn't be spooked by this sell-off this was one of the most predictable sell-offs that we have seen in a very long time it was very very predictable that we would have weakness so what i'm saying is i'm not panicking in the streets and saying what's happened 2024 is a disaster my apple's down eight bucks what's going on no what's going on is the january effect folks this doesn't mean that Apple's just going to collapse. We're going to bring Ryan Dietrich on here in 20 minutes too and we'll get his thoughts too. But what it does mean is that there's a lot of people sitting on a lot of profits and Apple is not cheap anymore. So I think you have your pricing point. Maybe if you're a trader, you're looking at 180 to 182. Does it eventually get down to 165 to 170? Maybe, but there's still a lot of people who like Apple and it's not going to be a straight line down. So I'm not investing in Apple anymore. I had in my long-term portfolio for seven years. I sold it because the valuation just got too extreme. I'm a valuation type of guy. Um, I think there's better value out there. than So so on that note, you're a valuation type of guy. You've owned Apple in the past. The valuation was something that you, you know, was good enough for you to own. And then it got higher and you said, okay, I don't want to own this anymore. I'm yes. going to throw this out there. I don't think this is likely. I, I don't know what the percentage I would put at it, but I'm curious your thoughts, Dennis. What if what if Buffett started selling some Apple up here? Oh, and again, if Buffett decided to start selling Apple, the market would epically. If we saw, and the cool thing is, when you own over 10%, he's got a file, and those filings will show up within 48 hours. Oh, I believe okay. it's 48 hours. Okay. Not, uh, Money Mitch was really good at this stuff, too. But I think wait, it's wait, within, wait, the Friendster wait, wait. was always good at this too. I'll I'm pretty fit, oh, sure it's within 48 hours. Because it's more than 10% of his portfolio? Yes. More than 10%? Okay, because there's no so way he owns So if you're more... under 10% of his, not his portfolio, uh, under 10% of whole, of, actually, that's a good question. So you're, you're exactly right. No, you're, I'm wrong here. Because it's 10% of the holdings of the company, not 10% of the holdings of his portfolio. So he, I don't think he does own 10% of the company. So you're right, AB. Correct. He, we would not see that filing within two days. So you're, you are correct because an Oxy case, because he owns over 10%, he has to right. file 
and 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 that's a good catch there. So I don't know. Does anybody know how much of Apple he owns? Because it's probably not ten percent. Even no, though I, I, it's thirty percent, I think of Berkshire Hathaway, and right. you know, fifty percent of the public stock holdings. It's probably not even close to ten percent. So that was a good catch, actually. Um, sleepy here in the morning. Um, so my bad. But Oxy, obviously, you know, we knew that one. Hewlett Packard, we knew that one for a bit until he went under ten percent. Then we didn't see the filings anymore. But then on thirteen F day. We did see that he sold a bunch more HPQ, so we knew he started to do that. But if we saw a filing come across that he sold some Apple, there would be panic in the streets. I think Apple falls, honestly, I think Apple falls like $15. Yeah. Like a well, crazy amount. So uh, Buffett owns about 6% of Apple, which is okay, still so he's way... Not a, still, How'd you get that number that fast? Where you pull that stuff out of your head? Where'd you find that? Uh, I just pulled it. I mean, there's so many sites that track his portfolio or that track Berkshire's portfolio. Well, it's about 6% uh, of the company. Okay. Yeah. So it's, but it's, it's 46.9% of, uh, of the, of the Berkshire portfolio. But like we've talked about before, it's not really that much because there's also yes. these private holdings between Geico yes. and all these other things too, but still just a massive position. If you would have asked me, I would have said he probably owns like 3% of Apple because Apple is such a massive company. So 6% is still double. Yeah, unbelievable that he owns that much of it. Of, of a $3 trillion company to own 6% yeah. of it. I mean, that's insane but i'm not saying that like oh part of the movement was him selling yesterday i'm just saying in the in the grand scheme of things would i be absolutely shocked if he said hey like we've made a lot of money on this thing the valuations get a little high let's start trimming some i would not be absolutely shocked but i do think he probably understands like you're saying what the implication of that would be so i wonder if even if he wanted to sell apple he's like oh no i don't want to like kill the whole market you know by doing this but yeah who knows i mean so yeah uh, the market would be spooked if he started trimming that because he's just been buying relentlessly it feels like for years so um yeah so it's a good point i mean there's a lot of you know potential things that would kill the market and a lot bigger than just buffett selling apple i mean we've talked about the china taiwan situation forever that's the biggest geopolitical risk that we have that we know of right now but I mean, let's bring this back in. Let's rein it back in because we can get all bearish and we can talk, you know, end of the world scenarios, but we can also talk that, hey, this is just a healthy pullback. Hey, this is probably just some profit taking. So predictable profit taking, you know, and when one thing is when I see predictable trading, it's not a reason to get spooked. This is predictable trading. We should go to something that maybe people weren't predicting, though, is we have a significant sell off AB and Bitcoin here today. And Bitcoin, as much as it was up yesterday, it's pretty much giving it all back today. So, you know, is this concerns that the ETF's going to go through? The ETF's not going to go through? When is the ETF coming? A lot of this is all based on rumors of what the SEC is thinking. The SEC is talking. So this is the rumor this morning is that the SEC is going to reject the Bitcoin spot ETF again. That is the rumor that circulated a little bit here this morning. At least that's what I was reading on social media. Whether that rumor is because Bitcoin started going down or whether that's the real reason for Bitcoin start going down, it sounds like, you know, that there is not just a clear path to approval here that maybe everybody was thinking yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Is this a, uh, you know, sell the news event or buy the news, you know, and and... Really, I just like I don't know how big this is for Bitcoin. It's like part of my thought process on this, Dennis, is that people out there that like really want to own Bitcoin 
probably have found a way to own it by now. I don't oh, think yeah. there's probably that many people. There probably are some maybe older, you know, close to retirees that are like, hey, I would put this in my portfolio if it was easier, but I'm not going to go make this in that account, whatever. But I think for the most part, if you're someone out there that has an appetite for Bitcoin, someone out there that really wanted to buy Bitcoin, you've probably found a way at some point in the last couple of years to do it. So I wonder if maybe this thing gets approved and then they're like, okay, and then the demand for it, I don't know. Again, I could be completely wrong. And then there's a, a, a massive demand on the institutional side to own this ETF. I don't really know. But part of me feels like, hey, the people that are really into Bitcoin and crypto already own it. Once this approves, I don't think the people that aren't into crypto are then going to be, you know, rushing over to buy it. Again, could be completely wrong on it. But if I had to, if I just binary had to pick a side one way or the other, I think I would still be selling this event when it actually occurs. I could see Bitcoin uh, continuing to run up into it. But um, yeah, I mean, we talked about Bitcoin just being kind of a, a barometer for for what people are willing to take on in terms of speculation and risk. And clearly today, maybe a little bit less uh, risk appetite than yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin now back at that 42 and a half thousand. Um, I was looking. So Dennis, I don't know if you've ever played around on this site on poly market. Essentially, no. it's like betting markets for everything. Um, and they have, here, let me pull it up real quick on the screen. So Bitcoin ETF approval by uh, January 15th, they have it. So the yes shares are trading at 83%. Wow. So, so still pretty bullish that they think it's going to yeah. happen. But this was actually trading at like 90% last night. And the no shares have gone from 13, 11 cents to 20. So they doubled. Are, the nose doubled. The nose doubled. So like you said, on social <laughs> media and stuff, people have been kind of, I guess, a little bit more skeptical if this thing's going through than they were even 12 hours ago. So yeah. either way, if you're into crypto and maybe if you're not even into crypto, this is a story you should be watching because yeah. uh, clearly, you know, some some overall market implications. Uh, let's go back to the Benzinga Pro, maybe talk some crypto stocks. I saw Kathy was continuing to sell oh, her gosh. Coinbase her Coinbase sell shares. Selling Coinbase? Yeah. I mean, Is she the reason it was down yesterday? Because Coinbase. So Bitcoin had a good day yesterday. Stocks like MSTR were up significantly, although they did give it back. And a lot of these Bitcoin stocks gave it back. But holy mackerel, the rug pull in Coinbase was phenomenal. I mean, this stock here was trading up in the pre-market because, oh, well, we rumored that you know Bitcoin was higher and it's going to get approved. They pulled the rug out in front of this thing and dropped it 20 bucks. And now they dropped it another $11 here today. So just quietly here. So the, the, the Coinbase move really started from about 80 and it went to 190 in two months, which is just an incredible move. So about 110 bucks up. So if you take 55 off that 190, that 50% retracement on this puppy's down like 135. So I mean, 145. But in three days, we're going to get there. So let's go two months up. And three days, give half of it back. That would be impressive. I don't know if we're getting down to 135 here today, but wow, you've got to respect the the sell-off here has been nothing short of incredible for Coinbase. So going from bliss to piss, just like that with the calendar turn. Wow. Yeah, and I'd be excuse me. I'd be curious about talking about like trade ideas for Coinbase because I actually would be interested. I mean, maybe not now after this huge move, but when it ran. I mean, like we've been talking about, these these sell-offs, these these pullbacks, some of them are healthy, some of them might not be. But anytime you have a stock, right, we're looking at uh, November 1st. We talked about this yesterday. That's not that long ago. November 1st feels kind of long ago. No, two months ago, this thing was at 70 bucks. Then it goes up to 180, 190. Like, of course, Crazy you're going to 
of course you're going to see a, a pullback here, but I mean, this does look three red days in a row now. Big but again, AB, we can say, you know, it went from 80 to 140 and you could have said, well, of course we're going to see a pullback, you know, but then it went up another 40. So, I mean, it really, it, they brought running a bet because they started selling it off on the 29th. So they started selling it off on the Friday with the triple top that was put in. Joel Kahn would love that triple top in Coinbase. 186.97, the high on the 27th. 187.39, the high on the 28th. 187.25, when a stock's moving around 10 bucks a day and you had three highs within 25 cents of each other, I'm going to say that's a triple top. And then the rug pull, pre-rug pull, people front-running the January effect, and they did that on a number of stocks. And now all of a sudden, boom, boom. And it's like, man, my stock was 185. It's 146. How did I lose 40 bucks in three days? Yeah, I mean, it's it's these moves are just like you said. I mean, if, if, if you didn't tell, if I didn't know it got all the way up here, and you had just told me it went from you know 70 to 140, I'd still say, oh, that's an 100% move in two months. It's got to pull back from there, but it already did pull back, and that's where it ended up right now. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I see some people in the chat. I might be, uh, Kathy might have sold that late last week, but uh, Michael Saylor did sell shares of MicroStrategy, or at least that came out yesterday. And I think I read the, that in the same article, talking about Kathy selling coin shares and Saylor selling uh, micro strategy share. So, I mean, look, that if you're like big in these stocks, that could be concerning. But at the same time, you guys got to realize, hey, if they own, you know, millions and millions of dollars, of these shares and they're up, you know, 150 percent in a, in a couple months, chances are there's going to be some profit taking there. So I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, sounding the uh, alarm bells, DEFCON 5 yet. But again, probably not what you want to see if you're long these stocks is a bunch of these insi uh, insiders selling. Now, again, Sailor, they're telling us, and I heard this too, is that he was selling this to buy more Bitcoin. So, you know, whether, whether and, and one thing to consider on MicroStrategy is it's got the company, but I believe it's like, look at a market cap of like 11 billion. I believe they own like 8 billion worth of Bitcoin. So, I mean, they are basically, you know, a Bitcoin holding company at this point in time. The majority of yeah. this market cap is just trading directly off of the Bitcoin price. So um, it's like a little Bitcoin ETF here, closed end ETF. The, the micro strategy story is just so fascinating to me because this was a stock that, you know, was in the dot-com boom. You see, this is, you know, I'm on the monthly candles here back in 99. And Where did it get to in 99? Well, I don't know. It's probably split adjusted. Let's see, a high of $3,300. And then look so at this get back there anytime soon. chart. So it's, you know, so it spiked like this high you know, was one of the biggest crashes in the dot-com bubble crash. And Sailor, I think, was still, you know, started the company back then, was running it at the time. I don't even know what they did back then because they certainly weren't trading Bitcoin back then, Dennis. Maybe uh, they were predicting it. Yeah, and uh, and so, you know. Maybe Michael Saylor is that, what is it? Sayoshi? What the, what the, Satoshi? Satoshi guy. Maybe Saylor is Satoshi. But Let's start bad rumors here today. <laughs> but but basically, yeah, someone clip that and put that out there and uh, and see if we. They're gonna I mean, be I'm, mad I'm, that I butchered that guy's name too. Uh, I, I'm Satoshi. sure there's probably hundreds of YouTube videos making that uh, making that uh, making that. I'm not the first one to make that claim. Probably not. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, to be it's to, all sailor. He's behind it all. To have a guy run a company like this and, and have it go up this high in 2000, crash all the way down, do like nothing for 20 years, and then basically when we zoom in, do the same thing again in 2020 where it spiked up and then went down, you know, another 80. I mean, like he's he's basically round tripped now twice in the past 20 years with a, a huge thing. So I guess, uh, Dennis, let's put a calendar reminder in in, in 20 years to buy micro strategy and we're going to see some huge spike. <laughs> I'm going to pulse back. There you go. Yeah. 
Um, I'm not a crypto trader, though. This is definitely out of my wheelhouse. I even got the Satoshi name wrong because I call him Sayoshi. I played too much Mario Brothers, I get with the, guess, with the Yoshi. Um, let's move it back into stocks here because there is a lot of ratings here today. We're going to get, obviously, we're going to get Ryan Dietrich coming on here. He just tweeted at us six minutes from now here. But lots of ratings here. I mean, this is one of the busiest ratings day of the year historically because what you have is analysts coming back from their vacations. The Joel Alconans of the world getting back from their vacations tomorrow. And they get out there and they want to put their price targets on stocks. And they want to put their ratings on stocks. And they want to stamp their name into 2024 by making a big call on the first or second day. We got a lot of calls out here. And I mean a lot of people making some big calls here this morning. Goldman Sachs making all kinds of calls in the financial sector here. They're coming out with some downgrades, some upgrades, left, right. BA select start CME downgraded to sell by Goldman Sachs. We've also got just cherry picking some Goldman ones. STT upgraded to buy at yep. Goldman Sachs. I, so we got them you all got right them? here. You have yeah, uh, go. we we have CME downgrade to sell. You have uh, Raymond James downgrade to neutral with a price target uh, drop. Um, oh wait, hold on. Yeah, and then you have a uh, Schwab downgrade blackstone downgrade so they basically i mean like look if goldman knows any sector it's probably the financial space right so they're downgrading all these stocks in the financial space um i guess cme is the the hardest downgrade because instead of going from to neutral they went to sell so those are you know that those are the ones that i think are important when they go from sell to or they go from neutral to sell or underweight to sell because then they're saying okay we don't we don't want to touch this at all not just hey we don't we don't kind of like this we really don't like it uh, SoFi got a downgrade too, although that was coming from Keith Bruyette and Woods, not uh, Goldman Sachs. So looking, I mean, this is just all the recent uh, analyst ratings. You have a lot of red, Dennis. You have some green ones, and we, we should we should we should point out some of those just so it doesn't sound like we're super bearish. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chipotle got a Barclays raise yesterday. Uh, and a huge price target raise. The prior price target was eighteen hundred eighty-five. New price target is. 2246 on Chipotle from Barclays. Uh, I mean, Chipotle stock has obviously just been a monster, but uh, this is a, it's a weird one for me, Chipotle, to look at because the valuation always gets like pretty expensive. And I'm like, am I really yeah. gonna buy? Am I really gonna buy a, a burrito stock up this with this high of a valuation? But uh, Chipotle basically already trading at that price target, which that's the other thing I don't really get a lot of times with these uh you know analyst ratings and price targets is they'll wait for the stock to get to a price and then say oh yeah that's our price target it's like well well hold on that's like if i waited for a football game to end and i said oh yeah that's that's what i want to bet i want to bet that score and i'm like well i mean it's just it's it's, it's kind of silly to me that they wait until the price target actually hits and then they reiterate it or and then they put that new price target out um barclays also on eat and Bloomin, so chipotle and darden so uh uh barclays was putting out uh, a lot of ratings in the food space yesterday. Yeah. Domino's Domino's Pizza uh, got uh, underweight price target at three forty six. So that's actually and these a price are just maintained. Rate. So these are price target moves. Just to clarify here, these actually were upgrades or downgrades. So, um, but then you've got I don't know how many upgrades are in the pro there. Three, six, nine, twelve, twenty, twenty actual upgrades. I think here, AB, quite a few. Yeah, we've got some upgrades. Yeah, I mean you've got. Uh, 
Uh, you know, yeah, you got Morgan raising Jamia. I haven't heard. I haven't heard about this company in a while. This was like a COVID favorite, Jamia Technology. Oh yeah, this is it Jamia be... or Jamia? I don't know. I don't know. I always think. I, of, I always think. I always think of Jamanji. I'm thinking like you know Robin Williams. And yeah, Jumanji. that movie with um um, well, he's dead now. Robin Williams. Guy... Oh, yeah, with Robin Williams. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jamia was supposed to be like or Jamia, whatever it is, was supposed to be like the Amazon of the what Africa or somewhere. And it, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen much about this stock recently. No, it's but, been a disaster. Yeah. Well, uh, um, any other? Let's see. I'm just gonna go through the ticket. Citigroup was up yesterday, up again today, catching upgrade from scrolling over. Well, if we're talking upgrades, we should talk about the biggest one yesterday, or at least the biggest market reaction to an upgrade, and that was Moderna. I mean, Moderna oh, just had, that had, was a, yeah. had wow. an absolutely massive day yesterday, and we talked yeah. about laggards. I mean, if you look at Moderna's chart in 2020, or sorry, 2020, what year is it? In 2023, <laughs> uh, Moderna's chart like looks like looks the opposite of the S&P 500. I mean, here it just was going straight down and got all the way to below 80 bucks was trading at like 70 bucks. And you can clearly see that right when the rally started in November, people were scooping up Moderna and, and, and it has now gone from $70 to now 113. The move yesterday, it closed up more than 13%. This was off an upgrade from Oppenheimer uh, citing, you know, I guess they're saying Moderna is going to start making a lot of money again on the COVID-19 vaccine. Which, I mean, look, great for, for Moderna, but I like the story of Moderna long term. And it's not really, to me, a COVID vaccine play. It's because I think in, you know, the technology they have in five, 10 years could end up being yeah. huge. And if you look at its market cap in terms of other big uh, players in the biotech space, you know, if they can really if, if they can really execute on some of these things, I think this could be a great stock long term. Um, but either way, I mean, yesterday's price action uh really strong and trading up again today one and a half percent in the market follow through you think this move continues looks like we've got no i think it's too much too fast so i don't like chasing here i could continue two-day move maybe we see 120 you know on the upside here today but i think if you're coming in here now you're chasing i mean 20 days ago stock was 73 dollars so not 20 days ago one two zero five six seven eight 13 days ago so i mean this is the definition of chasing at this point in time so if you're in it you know, maybe you, you try to like run run it for a little bit, raise your stop up, trail your stops, whatever you want to do. But I think if you're looking to get in it, I'd wait for a healthy pullback now. Yeah. And again, I hold this in my Roth and I I, I like the like long term story of because I think they're going to be able to use their RNA, uh, you know, technology to to really do some big things in the medical space. But it doesn't, I think that's so. What, I don't think like like I've said on this show that I think Novavax could be a zero. Right. Um. But I, BNTX, I probably wouldn't own, even though they have the deal with Pfizer. But these are more pure COVID. Moderna's trying to diversify, can't speak, diversify themselves away from COVID because they know that, hey, you know, you can't just continue to make money on COVID shots because people aren't getting them like they used to. Yeah. So they're trying to use that technology to beat the flu, to beat RSV. They're trying to do other things with cancers. it. Cancers. And, and cancers. That's huge. Right. So I do believe, and think about how how well run this company is to execute as well as they did. You know, Novavax took two years to get the vaccine out. The pandemic was over. Moderna had that thing out, I feel like, in three months. I mean, impressive to be able to execute as quickly as they did. That's the kind of management you want to own. So if I'm buying any of these, it would be Moderna, but it would be on a pullback. 
Yeah, and again, that's a, I hold it in my Roth. It's kind of a speculative play. If they do hit some of these home runs, then I get to hit a home run too. I get to round sure. the I get to round the bases with them. I don't hold it as a COVID vaccine play, so I don't get super excited about the thirteen percent move from the because you know that I want to see you know again it's just a long term. But either way, if you're yeah. holding Moderna, you liked it, uh, Dennis. We got our man Ryan Dietrich hanging out Great. backstage. Should we see what uh, should we see what he thinks about this little pullback? Yep. All right, Ryan, how are you doing this morning? Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Good morning, guys. Happy 2024 and diversification. You stumbled on it there, Dennis, but I'll tell you, early in the year, I don't know if I'm going to say any word right either. Every day feels like Saturday, so we'll see how this goes. My <laughs> first interview of the year, no promises. <laughs> well, your audio sounds great, Ryan. I don't know if uh, we've ever been on the show together. My name's Aaron. It's a, a pleasure to have you on. I've been following you on Twitter for what feels like a couple years now. Uh, and I was saying at the top of the show, I had to give you credit because, you know, when everyone in the world was, was bearish, uh, you were, you know, sharing charts and data saying, Hey guys, look, I mean, history says this year's not going to be as bad as everyone says it is. Uh, is it hard to like, you know, deal with people on Twitter and stuff like that when you're, you know, the only one going against the the crowd? Yeah, there were there weren't many of us this time a year ago, and it it can be. I mean, I'm I've been using social media since 2009. I've done this for 22 years, so you know, I mean, we thought we had a pretty good basis for why we thought we could avoid a recession and have a really good year. I mean, literally the second line of our outlook, which was released a year ago, said with good news we could hit all time highs. Now I know the Dow did or the S and P didn't get there. Total return did. Dow did. I mean, so you know, sometimes it's kind of fun with the bears. You know, go back and forth a little bit. Um, you know, but we deal with advisors. I deal with clients. And sometimes when you're given the optimistic view, they think you're crazy, right? And you really have to back it up. But that's really where our team digs into the data and shows why we think the way we do. And I always going to be right. I always going to be wrong. But we're trying to build one of the more trans, uh, transparent research shops out there. I think so far, did a, done a pretty good job. So, yes. Ryan, the million-dollar question here is 2024. You were right in 2023. What is your outlook for 2024? It hasn't been a great start for the Bulls. Right. Unless, but again, diversification. It wasn't that bad of a day yesterday. I was tweeting it out yesterday. People were like, oh, my gosh, my stocks got killed. Well, I mean, yeah, if you were in tech stocks and everything that was winning in 2023, you might have had a rough day yesterday. But holy cow, healthcare was unbelievably strong yesterday. Consumer staples were bouncing right. back. We had, you know, food stocks were doing well. A little bit of market playing defense, but diversification, you know, made mm -hmm. you okay yesterday. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Does it continue to be the trade that maybe the laggards from 2023 become the leaders in 2024? Thoughts mm -hmm. here, Ryan, on 2024? Absolutely. First things first. Do you see? I think I hit share. Do you see that? Yep. Pulling Perfect. it up right now. All right. Good, good, good. So, Yes is a short answer. I mean, I came on with you guys a lot last year, Dennis. The second half of the year said we like small and mid caps. They talk about, you know, kind of getting beat up. Those obviously didn't do very well, but our big theme was the Fed is going to pivot. The Fed is going to stop hiking. The Fed is no longer going to be a headwind, going to be more of a tailwind. Inflation's coming back. I got some charts coming up here to show that stuff. Yeah. But the bottom line is, yes, we think this broadening out is real. We think it's happening, and we think we're optimistic. We, we've been over at small and mid-caps and cyclical since the middle of last year, right? And, I mean, there's been some troublesome times there, but now we're starting to see that play out. Now, one other thing, I mean, today's the end of the Santa Claus rally. I'm sure yeah. you've had guests. I mean, it is this is one of those 
it is what it is, right? It's seven days, last five days of the year, first two. We are down, and I see futures down a tad. We need a little – I don't exactly know the number. We need a, a little bit of an update today to avoid that. Now, listen, we're not overly worried, but it is what it is. These seven days are like the strongest seven days of the year. So when it doesn't happen, maybe it's a warning sign. What I'm sharing on the top there, last couple times Santa did not come to town. Uh, January is down. What is that? One, two, three, four, last five times. Maybe we're uh-huh. due for a break. You know I mean? Honestly, we'll see today. Something to kind of be aware of. Um, but just big picture, you know, how do you sum up this year? Like you guys talked about. I mean, you know, I think it's funny. We had Cardi B telling us we're in a recession. We had the average strategist, the bottom right, saying negative returns, like the first time ever. This is, again, a year ago right now. And then, of course, we had the next Warren Buffett who's sitting in a jail cell. So it's amazing <laughs> how things kind of went the things kind of went the other way across the board last year. But to answer your question, Dennis, I mean, we're still optimistic, right? We've been overweight equity since the middle of December, if the year's right, 2022. We still are overweight equities. We add a little more equity risk uh, back in October of last year as we think there's no recession. Things are going to go higher. I've shared this chart with you guys every time. Might look familiar, but it's amazing how it's played out. Broken down by the four-year presidential cycle, S&P 500. Fourth quarter of a midterm year is really good. First half of a pre-election year is usually pretty good. Everyone told us, ah, the first half won't be that good. It'll be the second half that's better. Ah, it didn't really play out. It kind of played out like history. Third quarter, we saw a pullback. Normal. Fourth quarter, strong. What I want people to listen to now, though, in an election year, it is what it is. You see there in the red, first quarter is not all that great. Maybe we are due for a little bit of a break, you know, and I'm going to lay out why we're still bullish here, but just kind of lay in some big context here. Then the, then the rest of election year tends to be uh, fairly strong. We skip that one. I've shared this a lot. Pre-election years are strong. Everybody knows it. When you have a first-term president, they're even better, up 20% on average. Well, that just hit, right? But what happens next? When you have a first-term president who's you know running for president again, uh, up for re-election, up 12% on average. You see it there on the right in, a, in the fourth year of a presidential cycle. Now, here's what really is interesting. Mm-hmm. Ten of the last ten times, check it out on the right, election year, when you had a president up for re-election, what happened? Stocks were higher. You don't blindly invest in this stuff. There's a lot of other things to look at. But 1960, 2000, 2008 weren't great for the economy, weren't great for the stock market. Lame duck presidents. I know it's not that simple. But still, there's just a big context to be aware of. Hey, 10 for 10. I don't know. Last I checked, isn't all isn't all too bad. Just a couple no, other things. Good. You know, I mean, I you know, I threw a bunch in here. I'm talking fast. I want to make sure I get some Q&A. But I think this is good stuff. Hopefully you agree. Up 20%. We, I deal with clients every day. I deal with advisors every day. Oh, my goodness. We're up 24.2% last year. Should I even touch the stock market? We would say yes. I made a new high in literally two years. Two years ago today was the last all-time high for the, for the S&P. So, yeah, we think we're still going to break out and go higher. But here's some context around it, and you see it in front of you there. Normally, the next year's higher. What is it, 80% of the time? Yeah, like 80% of the time, the next year's higher. Those returns are pretty solid, you know, low double-digit low double digit returns. Is it? Will we be better, though? Can we truly get a better year than last year? I mean, only one out of 19 times, right? 96, mm-hmm. 97, the returns were better when you had a 20% gain. So, listen, maybe we don't gain 20 24.3% this year. Not the end of the world, but maybe we can have low double-digit returns led by small caps, led by mid caps, led by cyclicals, industrials, financials. That's how we're tilting our portfolios and what we are expecting. But four out of 19 times, you did have a 20% gain. So we're not saying you couldn't have one. Um, it, you know, And why? How could we? Well, I've shared these two before, too. Record earnings next year on the left and profit margins, which we've been told time and time again, we're going to be pressure, going to start to go lower. Profit margins have hung in there and they're kind of tilting, uh, moving higher. So those are two kind of, again, tailwinds to us that you tend to see in a, an economy that's growing and you tend to see in a bull market. I've only got a couple more, I think. Mentioned two awesome. years at an all-time high. 
Well, we're going to hit one eventually, I'm going to say. Maybe not today, but we're going to get one soon in the S&P. When you go a year without all-time high, guys, I found 14 times. You see it there, little green dots. One year later, after you finally make a new high, after a year without making one, what happens next? Higher 13 out of 14, and the average return is what? About 15% a year later. So just some more context. The fact we haven't had a new high in a while, maybe we should um, think that that can be a good thing. I'm going to talk about inflation. I'll, I'll just wrap it up with this. Some small caps and mid caps, right? Historically, they are cheap. The market, I know the market, you know, Market's expensive. Well, you take out tech, you take out communications, it's really not that expensive. But when you look at small relative to large, and what I'm sharing here, and honestly, maybe that number is a little higher with uh, with some of the rally we've seen in small caps. But small caps are really, really cheap. Mid caps are really, really cheap. Mm. So someone's out there saying, I want to buy something that's cheap. We think that's an area that's pretty cheap that still makes sense. And here's, I think, my last one. When you have a big surge, we just had a huge surge in two months on small caps. Russell 2. I'm looking at Russell 2 here. Up, what is it? Uh, tw- Where is the number? 21.9%, okay, in the last two months. November, December last year. One of the th- only three bigger. But look at those three years. December 20, April 2009, November of 82. Think back to those times. We're at the worst times to think, hey, the future could be pretty bright. And small caps did well. But these are the last 10, the best 10 two-month uh, periods ever for small caps. Again, it is what it is. 100% of the time higher six months later. And 90% of the time higher a year later, 27 Percent on average, this is small caps. I mean, so again, we like small caps. This doesn't hurt. Um, the last one, just for everyone out there, we just remember average and so average. I love this chart. When I talk to you know clients, I point this out. Since 1950, the average returns like nine percent. Okay, so let's just say between eight and ten percent for the S and P for the year. How often does that happen? Only four times since 1950 wow. that we had a gain between 8 and 10%. This is a really crazy one. 21 times we've had a 20% gain in the S&P. 21 times stocks have been down. So you're almost as likely to have a 20% gain as stocks wow. being lower, and the average is not very often. You usually don't hit the average. So just some some contextual things for the um, for the listeners and everybody out there to kind of know. So I will shut up for a second, hit stop, share there. Holy I don't know. Hopefully that was good for you. What would you think? One, where do you get all this information? Like, you must just be and like energy. research. The, and the energy, the energy one, you know, and I can understand the energy because I'm often energetic too, but I have no idea where you get all this information from. I mean, this is just an incredible amount of information. Like the power of 10 minutes you just gave us here, Ryan, is incredible. Where do you get all this stuff? Usually I just make it up. No one ever checks it. So it's easy <laughs> to do it that way. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, what I learned when I started using social media in 2009 or 2008, whenever that was, a long time ago, um, you know, people like these numbers and these stats to back it up. So a lot of this stuff is kind of like, you know, every four years you dust this off. Every so often you dust this off. So I have a pretty big database of stuff I've created. At the same time, you know, I, I love this stuff. I mean, I've got a really, we've got a really great team at Car- on the Carson Investment Research team. A lot of those charts I just shared of the macro ones, maybe I skipped a couple of them just to get through it, but a guy named Sonu Varghese, one of the smartest guys in the room, portfolio manager, he creates the macro stuff. I do the market stuff. We smoosh it together to create our, our overall views. So it's not all me creating that, although most of those charts were mine, but we've got a really good team that, you know, we're just trying to make a difference in this industry and help all. We've got 350 advisors all around the country trying to help them help their clients. And so far, it's been been, been working. Nice job, Ryan. Nice mm-hmm. job. So um, I just want to go back to a couple of slides. Yep. One thing I'm noticing is that you seem to be leaning towards you know the small caps. And I like yep. the stats that you gave because we just had a 21% rally in the IWM. People are like, well, this is as much as you get. I mean, you got to yep. take profits. Even myself, I like 21% yeah. in two months. I'm like, sure. holy cow, you know, this seems too good to be true. I have very long IWM, so I was very happy to see that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like your stats showing that, hey, 
six months later, we're up more. And 12 mm-hmm. months later, we're up more. So that makes me want to actually maybe chase here a little bit. Yeah, or maybe chase or maybe, you know, or just be aware that if we had a little consolidation in the first quarter, which wouldn't be abnormal, just to not be done, not panic. I mean, literally last October, when we had that 10% correction, 10% correction, everybody was bearish. And I know I came on with you guys saying, look, this, this, and this, the average year bottoms on October 27th. We bottomed on October 27th last That's year. Doesn't crazy. always work like that. But just have this content. What's all... Because it's the first interview of the year, and I'm I'm still kind of on a holiday. Eisenhower said plans are useless, but planning is everything. I like to use that one. Have a plan. We get a pullback. Just be aware of the stuff I've talked about. All the breath thrusts, and I know other guests have talked about this. Sure. This wide breath. All the breath thrusts we've seen. Fifty percent of stocks above fifty day. All the stocks that are overbought. All this stuff is laying. It's all over my Twitter. You can find it. All this stuff is saying if we get some weakness in the first quarter, you might want to be a buyer because the second half of this year is probably going to be probably going to be good. Probably going to be higher. Is how we see it. Mm-hmm. So I you hear that a lot, Ryan, where it's like the, you know, conventional, I think for a lot of people that just get into trading, they hear buy low, sell high, all this stuff, you know, you don't, but I've seen a lot of stats that show that if you buy, you know, say the S&P 500 mm-hmm. at all time highs, yep. that typically returns are actually pretty good from there. Why yep. is that? And how does that work out? And like, why is that so surprising to a lot of people? That's a good point. I mean, new highs happen in clusters, right? Bull markets happen in clusters, I think, is, is one way to put it. When the Dow brand a new high, I did a lot of these numbers. And yes, the average return, I forget, it's like thirteen or 1,400 new all-time highs in the Dow since 1896. And if you look a year later, returns are above average because, again, they tend to happen in clusters. What I think so powerful, though, is the fact we haven't made a new high on the S&P for exactly, today's the third, right? Yeah, today's the third. Yes, mm-hmm. today's the third. Exactly two years ago today. So when we eventually get there, that could be what's really powerful. And believe me, you know, people say, well, if you bought two years ago, you're flat. I, yes, that's that's technically true. But, you know, hopefully people have been kind of adding and buying and other groups have been higher and lower. And it's never that that simple. And I know it's just kind of some people are just angry to be angry. But there's been a lot of opportunity, <laughs> I think. And, 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 and now we're making new highs are going to likely make new highs. That could be the big signal again that this this bull market's not done yet is our is our take there. Got it. And what would it take for you to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to say get yep. bearish, but say, yeah. hey, this is too much. We're going to start taking off the table uh, and, and kind of slow down the buying. Yeah, absolutely. There's two things I like to watch. Uh, you know, the credit markets, credit spreads. What what are what are they saying? And in March, we added equity risk. In October, we added equity risk because we didn't see major stress in the credit market. So that'd be one worrisome sign. The other that I like to look at is who's leading. What's going on? You know, are staples yeah. leading? Are utilities leading? We're not. We haven't seen that yet. Like relative strength, those are still making some new lows. I know real estate's come back. I think that's more of a cyclical play. So if the more defensive low beta areas were to start to take the baton, and, and remember back in um, uh, see late 2000. 2021 we saw the defensive things leading the fourth quarter of 21 now 100 year pandemic came and you know it is what it is but the market said maybe there could be some weakness in 2022 and then obviously uh, you know everything was well, sorry it's 2020 2020 apologies is when we saw the defensive stuff but nonetheless you know what i'm trying to get at when the defensive stuff leads that's when i get a little more worried we're just not seeing that yet so that's kind of how i see how when you see say it. defensive you're talking like value stocks like en- energy stocks and i would say i would say no we're talking more um like utilities utilities, staples, utilities staples yeah th- those two specifically we're not seeing healthcare seen as defensive yet. too i've always did the three sectors utilities healthcare mm-hmm. staples and that's what yep. we saw yesterday that's we true. did see that Good yesterday, point. but one day does not make a trend here, Ryan. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right. just because we sell off in tech yeah. and we have a great day in those three sectors doesn't mean that 
2024 is going to continue that way. When right. does it make a trend? Like, when do you start to take notice? If you see healthcare strong all month, would that be something you'd, you know, take a trend? Like, when do you start, right. like, looking in a couple days? When does it eventually make a trend? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to see on monthly charts, right? On monthly charts, that's relative strength. So, I mean, because again, I mean, I'm not a short-term trader. I was an option trader for a long time. Now I'm a little more, you know, intermediate term the way I look at the world, which I like, <laughs> by the way. But I mean, yeah, I, I want to see some more, some more action because there will be plenty of warnings. Just like last year gave plenty of warnings. There will be yes. upside surprise. I mean, we, we'll we'll see some breakdowns. And the advanced decline lines are another one. I love looking at advanced decline lines. There's a lot of them out there, but those will show potential cracks under the surface, and we're simply not seeing any major stress from advanced decline lines or credit markets, which again, hey, maybe, most years have what? The, I, mean, I skipped it real fast, but the average year sees a 14.2% correction peak to trough. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. We saw a 10% or last year, still gained 24%. So just be aware there's going to be volatility. There's going to be a pullback eventually. And I think we are stressing to our advisors and their clients is, don't panic. Use it as an opportunity. You know, and I know people are still going to panic when it happens, but still, we think it's going to be um, we eventually we'll have some some red on the screen, some scary things on TV, some guy on TV telling you the end of the world's near. Um, we don't believe it. And we think it'd be a chance to add. When you see that markets in turmoil segment yeah. on CNBC, that's when you got to go out and start buying. Well, Very true. Can we go back to that one? I mean, that, that one stat just blows my mind that since 1950s, there's only been four years that the market goes up either eight to 10 percent. Uh, and then that was versus, uh, again, more than 20 moves of 20% more. Was that 20% moves to the upside or downside or sure just is. to the upside? Yeah, I think you, hopefully you've seen it now. Yeah, there's been 21 times the S&Ps gained at least 20%. That was last year made 21. And 21 times, you can see the, the negative, 21 times stocks have been down. So it's as likely to have a 20% gain as it is a uh, a negative year, which is just, just amazing. Um, but it's one of those good things to remember. And then what do you say to people that are like, you know, past the past is the past, right? Yeah. You know, that that the past stats don't, you know, aren't indicative of what happens in the future. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I mean, uh, here you go. I mean, I, I moved the chart. I skipped this earlier. We, I follow the stats and the history, yes, but we also look at the macro view. One of the things that's amazing to us is how strong manufacturing has been. Look at on the left, manufacturing, construction, spending, soaring higher. Look at on the right, computer, electronic, electrical, uh, construction, spending. Yes, this is the Chips Act. Yes, this is all the EV things we've got going on. Hey, you know, I'm going to use the F word for a second if that's okay. Fiscal policy doesn't have to be a bad thing. Okay. I mean, I know everybody hates Washington. I get it. I don't care what side you're on. But there are some things going on that you don't see this in an economy that's about to go into a recession, in our opinion, right? So there are some real positives. And I know I've got the other one. Let me see. Productivity. Like I'll go on a rant for one second if we've got another second or two. Sure. Productivity in our country has not been very good for a long time. Yes, in recessions, we have high productivity because everybody around you lost their job. So you're working twice as hard. We finally, guys, the last two quarters have seen stronger productivity because we hired 5 million jobs two years ago another two and a half three million whatever it was last year there's people are happy where they are we think we are about to enter a major surge in productivity in our country which can what put a lid on inflation allow the fed to cut and keep wages higher a la the mid 90s we're not calling for another mid 90s scenario but mark twain history didn't repeat itself but it often rhymes we like to do this macro stuff and if, if productivity remains strong this year like we think it can that's the key to keeping this whole thing going and again allowing the fed to cut a good deal and i think the market's going to like that because because last couple of times the Fed cut, sure, it was a recession. It was a 100-year pandemic. It was a great financial crisis. In the mid-90s, in the 2019, I'm sorry, mid-90s, yeah, mid 2019, the Fed cut. The economy did just fine. So just because the Fed cuts doesn't mean the world's about to end and productivity is the key to that whole thing, in our opinion. 
Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, on the on the fiscal policy, like what, what's going on right now in terms of uh, the the major chip companies, kind mm-hmm. of the manufacturing yep. and bringing some of that onshoring some of it to the United States. I don't know how any. I right. mean, some some people are still going to try to spin that as like a negative thing and say the government should. But mm-hmm. it's like I I don't know. I like to see that American jobs. You know, they're bringing mm-hmm. you know jobs to America, and it's yep. I think going to be great for the economy long term. Uh, Ryan, we're running up on time here. Any final thoughts or stats you'd like to share with us today? Well, I think I shared every stat I possibly know, so I don't see any more stats. But, um, no, you got to go get a drink of water. Let me get a drink of water. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. You guys had me on a ton last year. Look forward to being on a lot more this year. And just, um, you know, just uh, so much information out there. Hopefully people follow the people that, you know, they, they realize are kind of have their back and not just trying to sell a newsletter or sell fear. You know, I guess it's kind of all end it with that. And you guys do a great job of obviously getting the right guests on doing that. And I'm just honored to be back. So thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. And if you guys, guys want bye-bye. more for mine, have a good one, Ryan. Uh, it's at Ryan Dietrich on Twitter. I shared that link in the chat, or I guess on X.com, whatever you want to call it. He's on it's there. Twitter he's, forever. We're never it, calling it X. And I hate X. It doesn't matter what it is. He's on there and he's posting great stats and he's not afraid to speak his mind and, and say, no. you know, to, to make predictions, especially when it's going against everyone, which again, I've been following him on Twitter for a while. Uh, you know, just great follow. Ryan is data dependent. I mean, he is data dependent. You want to talk about the Fed being data dependent? Ryan Dietrich is data dependent. So he uses the data. And you know what? The data is usually worth a lot more than opinion. And that's why Ryan Dietrich has been spot on for a long time here. Love you, Ryan. Um, we got three minutes here just going through, you know, what has happened here in 2024. As of so far, we have just to sum it up. We've seen a little bit of attack wreck here, and we've seen a lot of rotation. We've been in rotation station where we were just talking with Ryan, but what had a good yesterday and an excellent day was healthcare. These stocks are really beaten up. They've been beaten up to valuations that probably make a lot of sense. Like I said, I added Bristol Myers to my long-term portfolio about a month ago in November. I almost bottom ticked it. I never get the bottom, but I almost did because I think I bought this in the 48 handle and the bottom was 48.25. I've still got my Pfizer, which has been an epic disaster, but it's trying to come back here a little bit. Uh, But, you know, just other stocks like, you know, Amgen. We haven't talked about Amgen much. Like think about all the love that Lilly got last year, all the love. That, you know, Novartis got because of their weight loss drugs. Well, Amgen's working on some stuff, too, in weight loss. And Amgen may just be the stock of 2024 in healthcare. I actually, it's a stock that we haven't given a lot of love on this show here either. But, I mean, here's a stock making a new 52-week high. And, yes, it is indeed, I believe, an all-time high. My chart goes back 10 years. I don't think it has been higher than that. But, I mean, Amgen's working on weight loss here, too. Maybe this is going to be, if this is the year of catch-up, Maybe, just maybe, Amgen could do a little bit of catching up to some of the Lilly and NVS move. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you want to take some sta- uh, some uh, stabs at some of these healthcare stocks, it is important to kind of be choosing if you're especially looking for these laggards like that. Like, I wouldn't go be buying out Lilly out here at the valuation it's currently no. out, Dennis. But I would buy Amgen saying it could catch up with their UNH. I mean, has done like absolutely nothing now for what, two years? I mean, it's been just trading kind of barcoding up and down and hasn't been doing much. I don't know if I really necessarily love this one just because if there's, I I think there's maybe some uh, regulatory risk if you have anything change in how, uh, you know, insurance is done, which that's a big bet against because it seems like yeah. that's pretty baked into that. I mean, you you don't know what we deal with down here, Ryan or uh, Dennis. I I went to a I went to an urgent care the other day. I had to pay one hundred and fifty dollars to get seen. I had something uh, like a cyst in my mouth, and they oh, looked gosh. at it for for two seconds. I kid you not, and said, "You got to go see a dentist." 
And I was like, okay, well now I got to go make another appointment. And they still kept my 150 bucks, of course. I mean, and so yeah. literally just down the drain, but we uh, pay that's just covered by OHIP, but actually dental is not. So if you have dental, we, um, you got to have coverage for that. Yeah. But that was a big thing. Um, I mean, with, with UNH, I mean, it's just a monster in the insurance space. Uh, you had that Cigna deal fall through with Humana the other uh, few weeks ago. How's Humana doing? Trading is oh so so like like you said, Dennis. Look, Humana's lag. I mean, Humana's down from you know five seventy down yeah. to four fifty that throughout the last year and a half. So there are still laggards in the healthcare space. I would be choosing those. I'd be trying to buy those laggards in the space more so than the leaders, more so than Lily, uh, et cetera. And and again, you know, this is playing defense. So is this, you know, one day trend going to be the year of healthcare, the year of consumer staples, the year of food stocks? You know, I don't know if I believe that or not. So I think um, it's all about somewhat diversification. I mean, most portfolios are just chucked full of Apple and Microsoft and all the Mag 7 that got hit yesterday. I've always taken a more diversified approach. I've always taken the valuation approach. That's why I own Microsoft for a long time. I owned Apple for a long time. I owned Google for a long time. Reason I sold those was just simply I felt the valuations were too stretched. Now I still own some stuff with high valuations. Nvidia trading 27 times forward earnings is not that cheap. AMD is not that cheap. So there is some stocks out there, but I do believe they can grow into those valuations too. It's just the way I've always done it. And I miss out on the big bull years. My long-term portfolio probably underperforms, but on the big bear, but on, on the big barriers, I believe my long-term portfolio outperforms. So it's like my portfolio is just less beta because it's got more value names in it. But last year was not a great year for my long-term portfolio. Great year for trading. I had a really good year for trading. I posted my results on Twitter. I think I was up 46% in my trading account last year, but my long-term account, was up, but not near. I don't believe I was up 23%. I have to go look at the results. Um, um, and I'm still not quite at all-time highs, which I hit two years ago as well. It's funny. When you got a diversified portfolio long-term that you just kind of you know trade, make a trade once a month or whatever, it's amazing how much my portfolio still tracks the S&P just with a little lower beta. Yeah, it's always incredible. I mean, that's why I think so many market manager or market fund managers and everything end up you know, either slightly underperforming the S&P or right around it. So there, it's it's just a, a lot of, I mean, even Bitcoin, right? When you overlay the S&P 500 chart with Bitcoin, even that kind of tracks Bitcoin a lot, although Bitcoin has has, has outperformed and held up. Um, let's check on, on Bitcoin one more time before we wrap up. And then, uh, Dennis, it is 901. Any other, uh, anything you want to leave us with today? Into I think just be aware that often on the second day, so if we're just going textbook, and that's pretty much so far this market has just played textbook in January, um, when you get a significant counter move, the second day you often see a relief pop here. So what that means is you're seeing this morning, they're throwing out you know a lot of these uh, tech stocks again. I mean, let's look at Square, for instance. SQ was a stock that closed the year, or at least, you know, at the beginning on the Friday on the 29th, because I said they front run, it was 79.76. The stock just lost 11 points in basically two days, 11 points in two days. So I think if you're short these this stuff, I think it's a little bit too much too fast. And I probably would be looking to bring some of this in this morning. I mean, here it is, it's down another $4. Feels like a little bit overdone to the sell side on a few of these names. You know, some of them haven't sold out that much yet. Um, but I don't think like it's, and, and again, you know, I'm not saying they can't go lower. I'm, this is a day trading cap on. But if I was short all these things coming into January, what a gift the first two days. I don't think the whole year is going to be as ugly as this first day has been for some of these tech stocks. So I think, you know, if you're short and you just got 11 points off a of January effect on Square, 
I think you're bringing some in here. So I would actually be inclined to cover some of the shorts um, on some of these beaten down tech names. Yeah, I mean, the, but the, between the Magnificent 7 and, then, and yesterday... not that beaten down, but beaten down for the day. Right. Uh, on the Magnificent 7 yesterday, they collectively lost more than $250 billion in market cap. I mean, you know, just from a... You, you can't do that every day, right? Once that happens a couple times, that it's starting to... Uh, that's a lot of money flowing out. So, you know, probably at some point going to see some of that money flowing back in. So uh, I don't is- think it's going to be straight down is what I'm trying to say. I don't think this January is going to be like boom, 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 boom. And then five days, we've just given back two months of gains. I don't think that's happening. I'm interested in what the Fed minutes say here today. I don't know if that's going to be the turn here as well, but I don't think we can just come in here and be eternally bearish and say, yeah, you know, 2024 is an epic disaster. Just get me out of stocks. I think you, this is the January effect at work. I don't think you could possibly be bearish after all those stats that Ryan shared with us. Exactly. Uh-huh. So that gives us perspective, you know, give us, you know, some calm in these stormy seas and the seas aren't even that stormy yet, but Rotation is something, though, to think about. Like, you get a pullback in some of these names. Like, we just threw you Amgen. On my shopping list, so people always want to know my shopping list, and we got to go to live trading here. MRVL I've put on my shopping list here. I'm looking at that around 55. I'm looking at the Palantir. It's still on my shopping list. I think that's right around 16 right now. I'm almost interested to strike on, on Palantir. Um, and the talking long-term portfolio here. Amgen is one I want to add to my long-term portfolio. I don't know if I'm chasing it after yesterday, but I think it's going to be a stock of 2024. Um, and you know what? Some of the other stocks that have just, you know, been running, 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 you're getting an opportunity on some of those as well. But a couple names to think about. There we go. Well, Dennis, we'll check back in tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I guess we'll see then at that point if it was a two-day move, if it was a one-day move, or if we're looking at a three-day move. Um, but we're going to be uh, transitioning over to live trading. My man Ryan Faluna, Andy Cole will be over there. If you want to keep keep it going with Benzinga, make sure to stick around. This stream will redirect you there. Dennis, have a great day and stay green. Thanks, AB. All righty, y'all. Going to wrap up and go ahead and head over to live trading. Like I said, make sure to stay tuned. This stream will redirect you there. Smash the like, subscribe to the channel if you have not already. We'll see y'all tomorrow.